What's going on, guys? It is Clint Island here with The Daily Knoll, bringing you the Weekly Knoll Instant Reaction Podcast. And this one's going to be for NC State versus Florida State. And NC State uh, basically did whatever they wanted today. 47-28 to final score. Uh, that last touchdown was pretty much garbage time, maybe even the one before that. So uh, it's, not, it's not a good situation to be in. Uh, luckily, we all saw more effort from the team this week than we did against Clemson last week, but nobody really wants to hear that when you just lost a game to NC State by uh, more than three scores. So, just as a precursor, um, I- I'm not going to go into everything that we have written down here, mainly because it's it would be very long and we're going to actually be writing about some of these issues But I guess I'll answer the first question, which I would assume is on everybody's mind, and that is, what happened tonight? How was NC State able to put this, you know, maybe not domination, but just to do this to Florida State? Okay, so we knew coming in that FSU's offensive line is bad, the FSU safeties are suspect, FSU's linebackers don't have talent... And then, you know, special teams are very bad. And really, when you break down this game, that's what happened. The special teams were awful. Nothing has changed in Alonzo Hampton's job security from last week. He is still one of the worst coaches on staff and should not be extended past this year. Nothing changed on the offensive line. They started Arthur Williams at offensive guard. And I... <laughs> I have to note that Arthur Williams did not play offensive guard until this offseason, until they finally switched him, I think, in spring camp. It wasn't even fall, or no, in fall camp. It was not even spring camp. So once he's in the starting lineup, you know that something has gone wrong, right? And then Cole Minshew goes out anyway, so it doesn't matter. You have to put in Mike Arnold there. So you're you're having an offensive line that is down... Linda Dickerson, right? He's out for the year, pretty much. Cole Minshew, who's your second-best lineman. Uh, Derek Kelly, he's an offensive tackle. That's not his true position. That's just because you've had injuries. You know, you lost Josh Ball in the offseason, and Brock Rubel transferred, etc. You are essentially playing a third-down, or a third-string offensive line. And I, I really, I can't stress this enough. Even guys like Jeff Brom would not be able to work with that line. The 28 points tonight, that's probably the best you're getting with that offensive line. And I'm not you know, I'm not saying that the play calling was perfect. I'm not saying that Walt Bell and Willie Tagger called a perfect game, but I think FSU fans are gonna have to sort of step back and realize that when you have this bad of a unit that has this lack of talent, lack of experience, and just overall poor play, you can't do anything. Some of it's on Greg Frey, sure. Maybe he should have judged, you know, the competency of his backups. But I, there's there's nothing else I can say. This offensive line is going to hold back the team, and it might hold back the program. If this offensive line extends through next season and we don't see all that many changes, then you kind of have to expect that the offense is not going to be playing at their true potential for at least a couple years. I mentioned play calling. Uh, this is actually the first game that Walt Bell had full control of the play calling duties because uh, commentators noted it. Willie Taggart did not have a play calling sheet, didn't have any of that, so it was fully on Bell. He had a mixed game. 
I, I liked a lot of his uh, passing concepts. I think he had players in the right position. I don't think that he attacked downfield near as much as he should have. Now, some of that's because they don't have protection. and You can't trust the offensive line to put together more than a few you know, more than a few handful of plays with that sort of protection. But we saw all game. Tamorian Terry, very good player. DJ Matthews, very good player. Guys who are the future of the program who, when put into those positions, make plays. And that's very encouraging if you like to, you know, to look towards the future and wonder what this offense is going to kind of look like once it starts to get the players in the system. Well, Tamorian Terry and DJ Matthews, I mean, great examples. Trey McKitty, another guy. Uh, I think Walt Bell had a decent game. I did not like some of his insistence on passing. I think he could have benefited from some more run concepts. And I know I've kind of been been saying in the past that, oh, they need to kind of go away from the run. Well, that's true to an extent, but at the same time, you can't become one-dimensional and today it looked like Wapel became a little bit one-dimensional, but to overall, you know, I, I don't think any of the problems there are with play calling. I think some of them are, but very few of them. When you have an offensive line that, like I said, this bad. Now here's a broader look. Okay, here's a more philosophical look. We've said throughout the year that you want to get your system installed, even if it means that some of those short-term results are not going to be positive, right? Because you want to get new guys' experience. You want to get your system instilled so that 2019, 2020, you come out, you know everything you're supposed to do, and you perform uh, much better. I'm going to add a caveat, though, to that. Here's a problem with the plan for the future mindset. If you're not playing the guys who are going to be running the offense next year, It doesn't matter all that much. Like this offensive line, right? They're going to have maybe, they'll have maybe three new starters next season, right? Probably, maybe even more, uh, considering, you know, looking at which guys might leave. So you have three new stars there. You might have a new quarterback under center if Sam Howell comes in and performs that well. Uh, You'll probably have another receiver start. So what's the benefit here of sticking with the system to that extent? This is not the ideal offense that Tiger wants to run, but we're seeing again that he wants to kind of stick with what he's known with the Gulf Coast offense. He doesn't want to become too pass happy, and you know that that helps. And I just said they need to have some run mixed in there to kind of keep defenses honest. At the same time, if you're not playing the guys who are going to be the future of this program, what's the point? And I think you're seeing the result right now, right? Because... NC State did very well. They basically moved the ball at will. The defense did shutter FSU's offense for a long time. And you just kind of wonder, what's the, you know, what's the payoff here? I think it's a little helpful, but I think this coaching staff, if they want to make a bowl game or if they just want to win another game outright, they absolutely need to re-examine what the strategy is. Whether that means actually playing all those new guys, could be. Uh, Whether that is going to a a different style offense, not a totally changing system, but a different uh, focus, you know, could be in the cards. But overall, I think there's some philosophical questions that need to get answered there. 
Uh, now we're going to switch to what I think was the biggest disappointment from this game. And I think everybody's going to agree with me. Uh, it's it's the defense. We've been very praiseworthy of Harlan Barnett. We've given him credit where credit is due. And I think it's time that we outright say that his defense had a terrible game today. They just did. And the offense didn't help him out, of course. But I'll tell you right now that everything in this defense that was a weakness got exposed on Saturday. Some of it was not Barnett's fault. I think we need to give credit to NC State because they had a perfect game plan. Uh, I was actually very surprised with Dave Dorn and his uh, preparation because they just looked like they had read FSU like a book. I mean, they knew everything that FSU struggled with. You know, weak linebackers. Okay, well, let's pick on them over the middle of the field. Uh, weak safeties. Okay, well, let's just keep going at A.J. Westbrook until Harlan Barnett is forced to change something. Well, that change never came, and so NC State just moved the ball however they wanted. But even with that game planning, look at what FSU's strength was coming in. The defensive line, right? Well, now you have a defensive line that just got pushed around by an NC State offense that isn't, you know, they're a good offensive line, give them credit there, but they're not an elite group on the level of somebody like Alabama or Clemson. I mean, this defensive line played better against Clemson than they did NC State. Ryan Finley took advantage of the safeties of the cornerbacks, or not the cornerbacks mainly, but of the linebackers and whatnot, but that's because he had four seconds in the pocket each play. I think that was a very disappointing effort from the defensive line, and I, I really don't know what to I don't really know what to say about that one. I mean, Brian Burns, he was pretty much contained for most of the game. Some of that's because they doubled him and even tripled him some points, but he had minimal impact. Uh, Marvin Jones, excuse me, not Marvin Jones, Marvin Wilson is still not a full-time starter, and I think that's egregious. I think if you look at the place he's in, uh, he does very well and he gives 100% effort. I think that's a personnel issue. I think that the fact that Wilson is not a full-time starter is less on him, and that's more on the coaching staff. And you saw it tonight. When that happens, you know, when guys are playing that may not be giving 100% effort, or at least just aren't that good, or not as good as Wilson at least, uh, that's what happens. Robert Cooper being out hurt, that definitely kind of threw a wrench in their run-stopping plans. But there's really, there's very few excuses for what this defense just put on the field. I mentioned A.J. Westbrook earlier. Uh, he's had four years, and he doesn't get it. Not trying to be mean to the kid. Nothing we say about players is personal in any way, but AJ, was he just can't cut it. He's just not that good of a player. And uh, looking back on it, you know, if that's as much as you're getting from him, Cyrus Fagan must be god-awful in practice. <laughs> he must be just totally out of the blue nowhere. Uh, you know, it, it almost makes you wonder, okay, well, FSU has Nick Cross, Brendan Gann in the recruiting class. Uh, they might have Raymond Woody. Are any of those guys starting next year? I could see it. I mean, with what A.J. Westbrook put on the field today, I absolutely would not be shocked at all to see someone take his spot because he just can't cut it. He's just not a good player. Same deal with the linebackers. Dontavious Jackson is your one guy who shows promise. Every other linebacker gets picked on. And that's not the current staff's fault. That's the previous staff. That's them being 
uh, that's them missing, I guess, on a lot of prospects, and that's them having bad evaluations. Um, what else? Uh, refs, pretty bad. No one else is surprised by that. It's the ACC. I mean, I can't tell you how many times there was a pass interference that just was not a pass interference, or at least an uncalled one, especially on FSU towards the end of the game. Uh, I've already gone into that in previous podcasts. You're kind of powerless. That's just how the ACC runs things. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to fight against them. You're going to have to learn how to play against the guys in the black and white stripes. Now, here's one final thing I want to get in before I end this podcast because it's kind of going a bit long already. There are a lot of things that you can blame on the previous staff. There's a lot of things that may not be totally their fault or maybe a mix of their fault. But I think one factor that you have to admit is the current staff problem is the penalties. This is a very undisciplined team. The pass interference calls are whatever. I, I wouldn't put too much stock into that. But even excluding those, FSU has had almost, or at least over 200 yards of penalties in the past two games. We can say, oh, well, that's part of the discipline issue under the Fisher era. Yeah, that's true. They were not that good during 2017, but they were not nearly this bad. Florida State was averaging nine penalties a game coming into this one, which ranks in the 120s, I think. And after this one, they might be the most penalized team in the country. That's unacceptable, and that's the current staff. I, we can talk all day about bad culture and whatnot, but at some point, whatever you're doing in practice is not working. They're not getting the message. They're committing dumb penalties. They're still having false start penalties. They're still having illegal formations, holdings, whatever. Uh, you, just, you just can't have that. And that's on the coaches. That's on this staff. Right now, uh, the season's not over. You can still pull off a win over Boston College if you get some of the issues corrected. Uh, you can even beat UF. They just lost to Missouri by a fair amount because they just they, their pass defense is not there anymore. They lost their best corner, and now they they're they're just not up to the task. So you you have two winnable games there. Maybe you can pull off the upset Notre Dame if literally everything goes your way. But uh, it's going to be interesting because this was not a demoralizing loss like Clemson, but this was a disappointing loss because we knew what FSU was bad at going in, and they were still bad at that. But then they somehow got worse in the areas that we thought were their strong points. We're going to have more on that, actually. Uh, later in the week, we'll be discussing what exactly needs to change at FSU and what to expect for the rest of the season. But that's all we have for tonight. Before I leave, I do want to give a shout-out to our two sponsors, nofan.org and Southern Solutions, LLC. Great sponsors to have. Uh, thank you guys so much for being with us for quite some time now. It's uh, it's hard to remember even when, <laughs> when we first pair with them, but thank you guys so much. This has been the Weekly Knoll Instant Reaction Podcast with your host, Clint Island. I'll catch you all next week. Adios.